Welcome to Open Your Eyes, a podcast about empowering each of us with the perspective and tools to grow and change. You know, each day we live, we have a series of choices of where we spend our time and what to think and how to go about our day. And some people choose to fill their day with positive energy and worthwhile things. And that's why I love uplifting podcasts. This podcast is born from a deep desire to help us all live a happier life and the firm belief that a powerful way to make that happen is to open our eyes to new ways of seeing life. So hopefully today and this time together, we will get a new perspective of how to think and live better. And if you enjoy these podcasts, please share them with a friend. Just send the link and encourage them to listen. Perhaps they could use a little encouragement today as well. Let's get started. Today, I'd like to talk about the power of remembering who you are. In 2010, two tech entrepreneurs started a crowdfunding platform to help people raise money for life events, such as graduations and weddings, and also for helping people who were suffering from cancer and other tragic illnesses. Through the platform, donors can contribute to the needs of others. And they called their platform Create a Fund. They made their money by taking 5% of all of the funds raised. And the concept was well-received and they had quick success. Soon, however, they changed the name of their platform to GoFundMe. And a few years ago, GoFundMe stopped taking 5% of the funds raised because they were collecting direct donations for their operations and profits. In total, GoFundMe has raised over $9 billion for various causes. Now, the top 10 GoFundMe campaigns ever include number seven, when over 37,000 people gave a total of $10 million to the families of the 14 mass shooting victims of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. The highest amount of money ever raised on GoFundMe was for America's Food Fund, And that fund has raised $45 million and helps people who don't have access to food. They help society's most vulnerable and kids of families who have faced job disruption find the food that they need. Now, while not number one on the list, but in the top five largest amounts of money raised on GoFundMe is an $11.5 million campaign that were dollars raised for the families of players of a junior league hockey team in the small town of Humboldt, Saskatchewan. Humboldt is located near Saskatoon, Canada, and has a population of about 5,800 people. And almost everyone in Humboldt is a hockey fan. And much of everyday conversation and life centers around junior league hockey. Now, junior league hockey is hockey for those 16 through 21 years of age. And in Humboldt, the Broncos are at the center of attention. In 2018, the Humboldt Broncos had some amazing players. Logan Schatz was captain of the team. Logan had a big smile and was apt to light up a room when he walked into it. He was playing in his fourth season with the team and second year as captain of the team. And when Logan was off the ice, he ran track and field. He loved golfing. He worked out in the gym and at a young age, He even experimented a lot in dance. But on the ice, he was a force. He was fast and skilled, and more than his skill was his smile and his leadership. 
the boys on the team rallied around him. Evan Thomas started playing hockey as a young boy, and he was a right winger on the team. As a young boy, he came home from school one day upset because the other children were making fun of him. You see, Evan had a birthmark on his right cheek, about the size of a dime, and it was clearly visible. And when he was young, because he was different, the children made fun of him. That day, when Evan came home from school, he was crying and trying desperately to wipe the birthmark from his cheek. He tried and tried again to wash it away, but wasn't able to do so. And he wondered why God had given him this mark on his cheek. Why was he the kid with the birthmark? Well, other players on the Junior League hockey team included Braden Cameron, Brody Hens, Logan Boulay, Jackson Joseph, Logan Hunter, and others. The boys were coming together well as a team during the 2018 season. And on April 6th, they jumped aboard a coach bus, along with the coaches, team staff, and others, in total 29 passengers, and headed northbound on Highway 35 to Nipawin to play a game against the Nipawin Hawks. Glenn Dorkson was driving the coach bus. With about 15 miles to go on their trip, they were getting close to Nipawin, Dorkson was traveling north on Highway 35 about 60 miles per hour on a clear day, and they hoped to arrive early to prepare for the game. Well, unbeknownst to Dorkson and the team was the fact that Jiskaret Singh Sidhu was traveling westbound on Highway 335, and he was driving a transport truck carrying two trailers heavily loaded with peat moss, and he was also traveling about 60 miles an hour. Now, the two roads intersect with Highway 335 required to stop and the traffic on Highway 35 having the right-of-way. The stop sign for 335 is oversized and has red flashing lights. Now, the intersection has had a series of accidents. In 1997, a family of six was killed when they were in a collision when a car failed to yield at the intersection. And as a result the larger stop sign and lights were installed. Now, because it was a clear day, nothing was obscuring the lights or the stop sign, but nonetheless, the driver, Sidhu, did not stop for the stop sign. In fact, he didn't even slow down. The sun wasn't in his eyes and he wasn't intoxicated. He did have a loose tarp on his truck and may have been looking at the tarp in his rearview mirror. Whatever the reason, at 4.58 p.m., his truck, weighed down with two trailers full of peat moss, ran through the intersection milliseconds before the coach bus entered the same intersection. And the bus slammed into the lead trailer. Immediately, the front of the bus was obliterated. It hit with so much force that the driver and 13 members of the team were killed instantly. Now, parents who were following the bus and came upon the scene said it was as if the front of the bus was never there. It was simply gone. Unfortunately for the new players, when the players boarded the bus earlier that day, the younger team members sat up front and the veteran players in the back. Well, at the time of the collision, Scott Thomas, Evan's father, was on his way to the game and he was traveling about 45 minutes behind the bus. He was driving with Cal Hobbs, the father of a Nipawin Hawks player. And while on their way, Cal Hobbs got a call from his son, and his son said, Dad, don't bother coming to the game. The Broncos bus was in an accident. It's not good. It was a head-on collision. Well, 
There was nothing but silence and sniffles in the car. Scott said they sped towards the scene of the accident. As a parent, what would you do? He said they hoped that the collision with the bus would mean that the bus, because of its size, would have been fine and the boys were safe. Of course, they were hoping that everyone was okay. But those hopes started to fade as one ambulance after another sped by them on their way to the accident. When they arrived at the scene, Scott saw immediately that the front of the bus was obliterated, and he knew Evan, his son, because he was a newer player, was likely seated towards the front of the bus. He just knelt down in the middle of the highway and prayed. And he wasn't alone. Curtis Camrod, Braden's father, knew, just knew his son could be gone and started to sob right then. Well, 30 minutes earlier, after the bus collided with the truck, both vehicles turned on their side. And Ryan Strashnitsky was knocked out due to the force of the collision. When he came to, he was unable to reconcile what had happened. He said the bus was split open and there were players and coaches spread all around. His first instinct was to get up and help. He heard team members screaming and crying. and He tried to move his legs, but he couldn't. Nothing seemed to work. And later, he would be told that he was paralyzed from the chest down. As the crash recovery went on and the injured were carried from the scene to nearby hospitals, parents gathered at a nearby church. At one point, the sheriff came and read a list of those people taken to hospitals and the list of those still on the scene. And one parent asked, what does that mean, they're still on the scene? And everyone knew it meant that their son, if still at the scene, was gone. Well, Scott called home to his wife, Laurie, to share the news that their son, Evan, had been killed in the crash. She just went downstairs sick to his room to try and be close to him. She hoped he hadn't suffered and that wherever he was, he wasn't alone. But she needed to be in his room where she could see and smell and feel his presence. She wanted to remember who her son really was. Over 80 first responders came to the scene. They worked miracles in saving lives and evacuating the injured. Eventually, parents of those who died were called to the coroner's office to identify the bodies. And when they arrived, the coroner told them, some of your sons are not going to look like your sons. They might be unrecognizable. You see, the impact of the crash was so fierce that the boys' bodies were damaged severely, and in some cases, in ways that made them very hard to identify. The parents of Xavier LaBelle were asked to identify the body of their son, and they mistakenly identified Parker Toblin, another player, as their son. However, their son was actually alive and in the hospital, and Parker's parents eventually correctly identified the body as their son, and the LaBelles learned that Xavier was, in fact, alive. As Scott Thomas walked into the coroner's room to identify his son, when he first saw him, he thought it was Evan. But to be sure, with his finger, he wiped the blood from the right side of his son's face, and there beneath the blood was Evan's birthmark on his cheek. And Scott knew and recognized his son. At that very moment, he remembered what a kind and gentle boy Evan was. And because of it, Evan had such a remarkable presence. Scott remembered how Evan helped everyone feel better about themselves. At that moment, and every moment since, he remembered who Evan really was. In total, 16 of the 30 people on the bus lost their life. 
The 16 included the driver, head coach, assistant coach, radio commentator, a volunteer, the club's female trainer, and 10 players. The driver of the truck who survived without injury was charged, convicted, and sentenced to prison. Now, the community and people around the world came to the aid of these families through GoFundMe and many other ways. But I think Evan Thomas left us a lasting lesson. It was his birthmark, the mark that he never wanted on his cheek, that helped his dad recognize him when it was his dad's time to identify him. And that mark sparked his dad to remember Evan for who he truly was. And you know, in our life, from time to time, we have a mark or a stop or an illness that can cause us to forget at times who we really are. Perhaps it's a divorce or loss that somehow takes over our identity. Or maybe you've fallen short or haven't yet prevailed or whatever it is that you're facing in life, we can take a lesson from the Thomas family. Remember who you are. It's easy to forget who you are. The way of the world, comparisons, circumstances can rob us of our view of our true value and potential. You know, hanging on the wall of a room I frequently enter is a sign that says, always remember you are braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, smarter than you think, and twice as valuable than you ever imagined. Sometimes the world attempts to define who we are or tell us we are something other than who we know we can be. But I believe that there is life after this life, that we are children of a God who is deeply interested in helping us become like Him. And He sees us not as we are today, but as the person we can and will be millennia from now. You know, the same goes for us as parents. We're better parents when we see our kids, not just as they are today, but as they will be years from now. When I was parenting teenagers and they would head out the door, I'd often yell out to them, remember who you are, in hopes that they might stay true in their choices to the person they were capable of becoming. And I'm certain my kids rolled their eyes as they ran out the door. But you know what? Later in life, as they were trying to create a direction for their life, I returned to the same phrase as we talked. Remember who you are. As a parent, it's my job to remind them who they are. So I need to articulate their gifts, their relationship to God, their potential in life, and the possibilities ahead of them. Sometimes they may roll their eyes, but they need to hear it, and they need to hear it often. And they need to see their personal brand, so to speak, and who they're becoming. And the same goes for you. What is your personal brand? In the creation of your personal brand, do you remember who you are? Because your personal brand is at the core of who you are. The brand of your team or organization is also at the core of who you are as a team. And at the heart of your brand is a simple question. What do you want people to think of when they hear your name? At the core of the answer to that question is the need to remember who you are. And it's not only people who forget who they are, but organizations forget who they are. They often let the events of the day or the market take them away from who they are. On teams, we get to focusing on what's wrong or who's wrong or what's not going right, and we take our eye off of where our team could go. So, if you're leading a team, you have to answer the same question. 
What do you want people to think of when they hear the name of your team? And if you've been wandering lately in team results, perhaps you need to remember who you are and get back to what defines you. And here is my first suggestion. And it's something very few of us ever do, or at least do well. And that is to write, to define, to clearly articulate who you are. It's hard to remember who you are until you clearly identify who you are. And you might be asking, what if I don't really know? Well, that's okay. Your personal brand may take some time to define, but by attempting to define it, you'll be looking and searching for what you want your brand to be. You know, if you look to the baseball world and ask, who's the best pitcher of the modern era? You have to go with one name, Nolan Ryan. Ryan had 5,714 career strikeouts, more than any other pitcher in history. He threw a record seven no-hitters. He has the lowest batting average allowed in baseball history at 204, and he regularly threw the ball over 100 miles per hour. Most impressive was the fact that Ryan played in Major League Baseball for 27 years. He pitched his last game at the age of 46, something very few players, let alone pitchers, ever achieve. Ryan was born in, grew up, and lived most of his life in Texas. He was the youngest of six children, and early in life, he joined the Alvin Little League team and found he had talent. In high school, he held the school's record for single-game strikeouts. In one game, he struck out 21 hitters in seven innings. As a senior in high school, he had a 19-3 record with 211 strikeouts. Well, Nolan did well enough in high school that he was drafted by the New York Mets. And he played in the minor leagues for several years. In his first year, he had a 6-9 and nine record. In his third year, he missed much of the season due to an arm injury and service in the Army Reserve. But in 1969, he was called up to the majors. And in the postseason against the Atlanta Braves, he threw seven innings of relief and helped lead the Mets to the World Series. And despite his momentary success, Ryan struggled with control when he was pitching the ball. That meant when he was pitching, he hit a lot of batters. He threw the ball erratically. He struggled with this. And in New York, he was so far from who he was, where he grew up, and had no advocates to help him with his pitching struggles, so much so that he began to wonder if baseball really was right for him, or if he should return to Texas and cattle ranching. He didn't know who he was in baseball. So when that season was over with the Mets, Nolan was making plans to quit and go home. But his wife, Ruth, a fierce competitor herself, said to him, you have a gift. And if you quit right now, you're depriving the world of your gift. At the Mets, no one treated him like he was important to baseball. It just wasn't the way baseball operated in those days. In fact, while at the Mets, he didn't even have a real pitching coach to help him. So he stuck with it. And not long afterward, he was traded to the California Angels. Now, the Angels weren't known for their winning ways. They didn't know who they were as a team. They had only been in the league a few years, and they had no real stars on their roster. Gene Autry, their owner, was an actor who was nicknamed the Singing Cowboy. He was hardly the typical owner in Major League Baseball. Needless to say, the Angels didn't win. Well, when Nolan arrived in California, he met a pitching coach named Tom Morgan. And Morgan took a deep interest in Ryan. 
The first thing he did was to examine Nolan's throwing motion and how he moved during his pitching. What they discovered was that Nolan's weight was shifting from one side to the other depending on his pitch. Now, Nolan had a fastball that was incredible, but because he moved so much during his delivery, he had little control. Ryan later said, Tom and I went to the park early every day to throw, rain or shine. I remember going with him to Yankee Stadium after the game that had been called by rain so that I could throw off the mound under the stands. I remember that we went out to the stadium in Baltimore so that I could throw on a day off. Well, Ryan started to improve. The mechanics he learned from Tom gave him the foundation for his improved pitching in baseball. And more than that, the friendship with Tom helped Ryan remember who he was. I felt he knew me better than anybody I've worked with, he said. We were very close on and off the field. Well, with Tom in his corner, Nolan Ryan began to improve. Soon he was posting winning games, and the Angels started to see themselves in a new light. In his eight seasons at the Angels, Ryan had over 2,400 strikeouts and two no-hitters. Most of all, the Angels made the playoffs and anchored their brand as a winning team in baseball. Well, Nolan would then enter free agency by his choice. He would return to Texas where he could raise his kids while playing for Houston and then the Rangers. In free agency, Ryan became the first million-dollar player when he signed a four-year, four-and-a-half-million-dollar contract with the Astros. That contract, at the time, was more than any other player in any sport. Here's my point. At the Mets, Nolan Ryan, who had become one of the greatest players in baseball history, was ready to quit baseball. He didn't know if baseball was his thing, and he was about to throw in the towel and return to Texas to pursue ranching. But it was his wife and fate that helped him remember who he was. And soon the needed coaching and opportunity came his way. And Ruth Ryan was right. He had a gift. So I say the same thing to you today. Perhaps there are ways you may be tempted to quit or retreat or shrug your shoulders and accept. But remember who you are. You have a gift. And if you quit right now, you're depriving the world of your gift. And the world needs what you have to offer. It may not happen overnight, and you may need a coach, and you may need lots of practice and repetition to bring your talents to bear, but it will help you to remember who you are. You know, one of my favorite baseball films is A League of Their Own. In 1992, Penny Marshall brought to life the story of the All-American Professional Baseball League that came about when World War II threatened to shut down Major League Baseball. So Chicago Cubs owner Walter Harvey bankrolled a women's league. And in Marshall's movie, the girls' team, the Rockford Peaches, are coached by a former male Major League Baseball player and chronic alcoholic, Jimmy Dugan. At one point in the movie, Dugan is coaching his players. They're complaining about the living conditions and travel and difficulties of the game, saying it is too hard. To which Dugan replies, it's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. The hard is what makes it great. Well, with that, the players embrace the heart of it and go on to find out who they really are as they become a real team and play for a championship. And this is the way it is with us. Often it's in the hard where we remember who we are. Too often we think the mountain ahead of us is too hard and too high and too difficult to climb. But discovering who you are is usually not found at the top of the mountain, 
but in the how and the work and the hard of the climb. So to remember who you are, what can you do in life to keep who you are in front and center in your mind? Well, in addition to clearly identifying who you are want to become, you need to be reminded of who you are often. And that means putting up signs or markers to remind you. Reconnecting you with your brand and identity often can and will make a difference. You know, at one point in my career, I painted the words, be a light, not a judge, above the door on my office wall at home. I felt I was meant to be a light, and my poor habits of judging were getting in the way of who I really was. For the town of Humboldt and the families there, they did something remarkable to put up signs and markers to remember the boys who died and to remember who they were as a community. Well, out of respect for the players and team and their families, the town started to put hockey sticks outside of their homes, leaning them up against the front of their houses and porches. You see, they wanted those players who had passed on and even those who were injured to see that there was a hockey stick waiting for them. And as a community, it was a reminder that despite their losses, they were a hockey town. Soon, the hashtag, put your sticks out, started to take off across the country. And it gave a way for everyone to join in their collective identity of honoring the team. On Twitter, there were thousands of pictures posted. One of a police car with a stick leaning up against it. And one house after another had sticks set out, hoping that those who had passed away would see that they are loved and that they remembered who they were. So, put your sticks out, so to speak. And remind yourself frequently who you are. Next, write or talk to yourself. This is why a journal is so important to lasting change. It helps you keep in front of your conscious thought those things which really matter, like who you are. And as you reflect on and write about those matters each day, it slowly becomes part of your permanent thinking. You know, the journals you keep will not only help you, but help those who follow you. People often use the excuse that their lives are boring and nothing exciting ever happens to me, so why keep a journal? And nobody would be interested in what I have done. But the words you write will likely be a source of great inspiration to your children, your grandchildren, and others for many generations. Honestly, one great byproduct of this podcast for my family is that my kids will have my words and thoughts for years to come. Now, you are living in one of the most important times ever to take place on this earth. So much is changing and evolving. And the lessons you're learning and insights you are gathering are of great value. So write and record. It's part of helping you and others remember who you are. Last, don't doubt or dabble. You see, too often we let doubt overtake our faith. And it's easy to do. It's easy to focus on the challenges in front of our eyes. You know, I help a nonprofit organization in my community. It's a wonderful collection of museums, gardens, and children learning centers on a 110-acre property in the middle of a growing metropolis. And one of the streets on property is aptly named Sycamore Drive. The street itself is breathtaking. It's lined with dozens of giant sycamore trees. And when you drive down Sycamore, it's an adventure. The white bark of the trees and the big green leaves fluttering in the wind make the lane feel like a fantasy lane. Well, starting last year, 
a tiny fungus started attacking the sycamores across property. Now, it wasn't unique to us, but happened in many areas of the country. The small fungus had migrated west, and soon it had a hold on many properties. Well, our horticulturists searched for solutions. Spraying the trees didn't help. And they soon learned that the answer was to inject the trees with a treatment over the course of several months, even years. And that would strengthen the trees from the inside out. By helping the trees to be healthy, we could drive out the fungus. Likewise, it's easy for us to let the fungus of doubt or discouragement take over our livelihood. That's why we need an injection of faith every day. Faith in ourselves, in our team, in the fact that there are good things, great things waiting for you in the future. So, make it a point to feed your mind and soul with faith. You know, this podcast and many other podcasts can help inject you with the faith you need to remember who you are. Well, as we end today, remember who you are. Like Humboldt, put your sticks out. You need constant reminders of just how remarkable you really are. Be willing to spend time on working your personal brand. It takes deliberate thought and articulation to identify the gifts that are yours and the difference you can make in the world. Like Nolan Ryan's wife, Ruth, remind others that they can be who they're meant to be if they will persevere. And when your kids leave, remind them who they are. When they come home, remind them who they are. And let your kids, your team, and your organization know who they are. And they will likely rise to that knowledge, and that knowledge will direct their life. Most of all, thanks for being here today. And don't forget to share this podcast with a friend. And join us next week as we seek to open our eyes to who and what we can become.